Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Five dead, 40 injured, and from what I am seeing and reading, I do not see the connection to Kenosha. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. You had a parade, a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Next thing you know, you've got a red SUV, a smaller SUV, driving at a high rate of speed through... Through the crowd, through the parade route. And there is drone footage, it seems, or maybe somebody from a higher angle, showing the moment where the vehicle hit pedestrians who were sitting there watching the parade. Five dead, 40 injured. Who is this guy? Did it have a connection to what happened in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse? People thought that from the beginning. Right from the beginning, People went down this road wanting to make a connection. You had people without any bit of knowledge of what happened. Mocking. Uh, One of them, uh, a, a social media director for the Democratic Party in DuPage County, Illinois, saying it was probably self defense. You don't even know the story, but already you're you're making these these connections. Kyle Rittenhouse, of course, he was found not guilty of all the charges against him in the shootings that took place in Kenosha. And I think that rationally people would see this and go, okay, is there? But they'd wait for information. Waiting for information is a pretty important part of the job. Not for people who are dead inside, not for the total uh, despicable uh, class. There is a suspect right now that is being questioned. He, as the story goes, was fleeing a stabbing. He's got a long and extensive record. Court documents show everything. Resisting uh, or obstructing an officer. Bail jumping felony. Second degree reckless endangering safety. Disorderly conduct. Battery. And this guy had just been let out on bail. Had just been let out on bail. It was $1,000 for the three misdemeanors and two felonies. This just a couple days prior to, to this happening. He also has a history. Res- resisting arrest, obstruction, battery, statutory sexual seduction, strangulation and suffocation, property destru- destruction, illegal firearm possession, bail jumping, domestic violence, drug-related charges, and he's a registered sex offender. Because he's got a video out where he's basically trying to explain to people what he was doing with some 16-year-olds. And there's a question of whether or not he was trafficking kids across state lines. This is the one who was involved in some kind of knife fight. And this is the one who then drove his SUV into this parade. So no connection, it seems, to Kyle Rittenhouse. 
That doesn't seem to be the case. What seems to be the case is that this is a low life of a dude. They're going to keep asking questions. And we're going to get to an understanding of what took place here. As for Kyle Rittenhouse, the fallout from that has just been insane. Rittenhouse, in his own words. Sorry, that's the charges. I had the charges, and then I had this right here. The jury reached the correct verdict. Self-defense is not illegal. And I believe they came to the correct verdict, and I'm glad that everything went well. And it's been a rough journey, but we made it through it. That's part of a a special from uh, Tucker Carlson. Which everybody's so angry about Tucker Carlson. I was I was gonna save this story. You know what? I, I will I will save the story because I just think it's so it's so terrific. I'll remind me remind me to save a Tucker Carlson story for just a moment. All right, hold that in the in the, in the hip pocket right there. The amount of people who have gotten this Colin Kaepernick not Colin Kaepernick story this this uh, Kyle Rittenhouse story wrong like Colin Kaepernick is amazing. Colin Kaepernick says, uh, you know, it's, it's, this just proves that white supremacy is alive and well and it needs to be dismantled. Why is white supremacy in this conversation? Then again, why are people like the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, pushing for, for riots? Saying that the Rittenhouse verdict has reopened wounds? Wounds of what? Kenoshans are strong, resilient, and have spent the last year working every day together toward healing. What 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 are you what are you talking about? They did have a riot there. That's not a question of healing. That's a question of who decided to riot in their city. You have Governor Evers saying, I see the pain and the frustration of so many. It's as if he wants a riot. The Associated Press, we should be clear, wants a riot. The Associated Press had written it up as follows. That, here it is. The anonymous jury, whose racial makeup was not disclosed by the court but appeared to be overwhelmingly white, deliberated for close to three and a half days. Oh, so it has to be racial. The jury is suspect and can't be trusted because they're white. Good, good. This is going to work out great. This is going to work out fan-freaking-tastic. Continuing to build the hate, to build the anger, to build the oppressed and oppressor class. Remember, critical race theory is very, very, very real. Joy Reid, how can you have a conversation about throwing out the, uh, the, the, the tropes and the stereotypes and the bigotry without Joy Reid, says the Rittenhouse acquittal traces back to slave catchers. Oh, well, okay. A, a, a particular kind of freedom and a particular kind of citizenship that only they have. That gives, you know, from the slave catchers on the right to inflict violence um, in the name of protecting property. That's like the foundational creation of the United States. So it would have been shocking. The real, as I'm glad you mentioned the Derek Chauvin verdict. That was the surprising verdict. This should have been unsurprising. But what I do think we have to think about 
is not only the families of the two men who died and the family of Mr. Grosskreutz, they are, you know, they should be in our minds right now because they suffered. And there have been a lot of white people who have, you know, defended black lives and paid for it with their lives. That goes on. We understand that this guy, Joseph Rosenbaum, is a child predator, right? He wasn't a good guy. He was a child predator, and he attacked a man. This is the guy that Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk, right, from Marvel, refers to as JoJo. The child predator, the convicted child molester, Mark Ruffalo, the actor, is referring to as JoJo. I don't know, the bigotry of Joy Reid, the ignorance of Mark Ruffalo, this is standard operating procedure. What happens to people? They are so desperate to live in this narrative of the nation is bigoted that they find themselves in these impossible situations and they keep moving forward because what are they supposed to do? Recognize their mistake? Don't you know that Mark Ruffalo is a jerk? Don't you know that Joy Reid's a bigot? That's the way it is. Ruffalo's whole tweet is, we come together to mourn the lives lost to the same racist system that devalues black lives and devalues the lives of Anthony and JoJo. Anthony means Anthony Huber, the second man who was shot and killed after attacking Kyle Rittenhouse with a skateboard. Hitting him in the head. And before you say anything about Tony, it's a skateboard. I want to know how many hits to the head with a skateboard you can take. Ten? Two? I want to know how many hits you can handle before you think you're allowed to fight back. How many times should Kyle Rittenhouse have allowed himself to be beaten with a skateboard before fighting back? Mark Ruffalo thinks he's decent. I wouldn't let Mark Mark Ruffalo in my house. You don't know your trash? Marvel's going to put this guy in a movie? We are are we done with the Hulk? Are we done with Professor Hulk? Can we, can we, can we end that in the future films? That'd be great. I'll take more Doctor Strange. Cool with that. That that, that that's fine. Joy Reid is going to compare what happened to to um the slave days, the right to inflict violence in the name of protecting property. Well, that should also tell you about the level of commie that she is, uh, that she doesn't believe in property rights, but neither here nor there. Now, the big one, the big, 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 big one was was the insanity. Wait, I think I've got it. I think I, I, think I was able to clip the, the, the audio. Oh, there it is. The president of the NAACP comparing Kyle Rittenhouse and the case of uh, Emmett Till. You know, it's hard for African-Americans to reconcile what we witnessed in that trial. We have far too many individuals sitting in jail for crimes they didn't commit or overcharged for crimes that were committed. And here you have a 17-year-old who illegally purchased a gun, traveled across state lines to protect property that was not his for owners that who did not invite him. And he put himself in harm's way based on the rhetoric that he's seen on social media platforms. 
platforms. So it's hard to reconcile the verdict with the experience that many African Americans have faced over the, uh, several decades. So this, this, this trial for us is a warning shot that vigilante justice is allowed in this country or in particular communities. Kyle Rittenhouse, as you know, has become this sort of icon for some within the conservative movement. Um, he was used back during the campaign by the by the then Biden campaign team in a campaign video um, that positioned him as a white supremacist. His mother said that was defamatory to him. The bottom line is this is being politicized. Um, and I'm wondering what you think the impact of that is. Well, the current political environment has allowed for this type of behavior. The prior administration has opened the door, and many individuals who operate under the banner of white supremacy have run through the door, whether it's Charlottesville. Why this continued conversation about white supremacy? What is... You know Kyle Rittenhouse is white. The judge is white. The prosecutor is white. The defense attorneys are white. The so-called victims are white. What in the world is this conversation? Why did this get racial? Because the jury did not go the way these people wanted to. Proving that it's not about race, it is only solely about ideology. That is all. It is all about ideology. And it is important to remember this. It is, it is everything. I wanted to make sure I played you this part of the audio. What is your visceral reaction to the verdict today? You know, it's unfortunate for the families of the victim uh, with this outcome. We all witnessed and seen on screen what happened. Uh, but it's a true tale of what we need to do moving forward. Here's a judge that's been elected for the past three days, mostly unopposed. I hope that community take note and recognize that this particular judge is not providing justice for that community. In addition to that, the jury pool question is a real question that we must embrace in a way in which we increase the number of people who are registered to vote and willing to serve on juries. It was an injustice. This was worse than the Emmett Till trial. This was worse to so many trials where we know for a fact individuals committed murder and yet they were not uh, brought to justice. It is I, want, I want to be clear about something. I, I'm not black, but I know a little something about history. And if the president of the NAACP, Derek Johnson, is going to somehow compare this trial to Emmett Till, there is nothing left in, in rational thought. Emmett Till, a black kid lynched in Mississippi, with a crime, spoke to a white woman. He was attacked. He was mutilated. They shot him in the head. And he was found, he was found in a river. Emmett Till spoke to a woman. You're going to compare in some... How do you even get there? A jury finds Rittenhouse not guilty, and we have video evidence showing him defending himself from attackers. It connects to Emmett Till? All right, you're all nuts.
You're out of your damn heads. But that's that was on MSNBC. That's what plays on MSNBC. That's considered logical, rational talk. But be clear, they are not speaking for black America. They are speaking for ideological America. The people who buy in to this leftist nonsense garbage that destroys the mind and the soul and also bastardizes history. The reactions in this case, in this Rittenhouse case, are out of control. Irrational as the day is long. Nothing tethered to a, to a, a value system. Because they don't have a value system. They have a way to profit. Whether it's financially or whether it's, 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 it's social, right, reputation capital. If you believe... Or, or if your, your identity is based on the country being bigoted, well, you can't have uh, the country not being bigoted, so the country must always be bigoted. It can never get better. How else do you, how else do you profit one way or another? We're going to have the president of the NAACP compare the ruling in this case to Emmett Till? These people are so far gone. And it's really imperative that we discount them. Oh, oh, that... uh. That 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 that's Tucker story. Yeah, I got that coming up. Keep it here on Tony Katz. So Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes have decided they're going to quit Fox News because Tucker Carlson made a documentary about January 6th. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they created something called The Dispatch, and, and uh, I have uh, enjoyed Jonah Goldberg's work in the past, and I have some of his books. and I'm, I'm sure I've read some Stephen Hayes in, in, in the past that, that I like, just none comes to mind at the moment. But they're so bothered that somebody would have a different view of January 6th that they they had to quit Fox News. So let me give you my take on this. Uh, They were both contributors. Their contracts were up. They knew they weren't going to get renewed. And now they get to go out on their terms. I will bet you any amount of money that's what happened. The Never Trump movement is as dopey as anything I have ever heard. And five years later, they're dopier. They have no point of view. They have no value system. I find it very easy to say there are things I agree and disagree with and not have to put myself in some kind of labeling mechanism. But they quit because of Tucker Carlson's January 6th documentary. That's precious. I'm Tony Katz. You cannot do a 12-pound brisket as your first brisket. It's impossible. It's insane. You're out of your head. But I did I did get the smoker. I did get the, the, the pellet grill. And I, I, I have already done my first brisket. And... Uh, producer Ari is like, oh, you screwed it up, didn't you? I'm like, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. I know what I'm doing. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. But, I mean, I started I started simple. 
I didn't start with a 13-pounder. I started with a three-and-a-half-pounder. Well, I watch a lot of Food Network, Tony, so I thought I could handle it. Well, that's 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 not that's not how it works. I learned that the hard way. Right? I don't care how many days you spend at a Holiday Inn. It's not going to necessarily make you a brain surgeon. But it, it, my, my brisket, the smoke ring was there. The flavor is absolutely there. Uh, I... I, I, I did wrap. I ordered the butcher paper. I did I did wrap it. I did not use foil. I did not do the Texas crutch. People know what that is, right? So there there comes a moment with, with your brisket, and producer Ari will tell you if you're smoking your brisket, that the, that the temperature of the brisket stops. The stall. It's called the stall. And and so what happens is is that the 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 meat starts pushing out the juices. And it's it's kind of like tightening together. And so the temperature doesn't move. Well, A, you want those juices in there to the best of your ability. So that's the moment where people take it off uh, the, the smoker and they, they wrap it in butcher paper. And you wrap it in butcher paper. And I think you should, I think you should wrap it tighter than others, I, I guess. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, and, then, and then you put it back on to help keep some of the juices in there. And when you're doing the whole low and slow methodology, you have to push past that. If you're talking about where you want internal temps, people like about 205. Like that's where they want the internal temperature of that of that brisket to be. And, and so, okay, you, you do that. I find that a I, I do that, but I am I am less interested in the probe. I am less interested in the thermometer. I'm I'm a toucher. I grew up in the restaurant world. I I determine whether my steak is done. By 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 pressing into it, and people tell you that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Well, you're probably right, and you should trust the thermometer more than you should trust my finger poking into your steak. But I'm pretty good at it. I will admit I'm pretty good at it. But when when you when you have this moment with a brisket, and you're smoking a brisket, and and you can use you know butcher paper. Some people use foil. That's referred to as a Texas crutch, and the idea is that the foil is going to keep in more heat, so you're 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 pushing along the cooking process. And honestly, there are no rules. It is really important. Now I'm doing all this because I'm doing a, a brisket for Thanksgiving. I am smoking a turkey, uh, a smaller one, it's just turkey breast and I'm and I'm doing a brisket. It's uh, I like brisket more than turkey. I don't I don't I don't understand the allure of turkey. I've never been there. Some eggplant parm on the menu? Oh, eggplant parm is completely on the menu. Eggplant parm, my Italian wife. I don't know why. I don't know why her family ever did it, but it's like it's it's the greatest addition in the world. It's the greatest addition in the world. The table's completely unkosher at that moment. But what are you gonna do? What are you, what are you gonna do? Even God is like, wow, that's a really good idea. It's it's just perfect. So doing doing the brisket, but on, for for Thanksgiving, I, I'm I, I'm gonna be in the five to seven pound range. So I mean, it's I think it's gonna be a ten hour smoke at least. At least, uh, but it, it's it's an experience, and the the real truth is just just like with with so many things, no one has it right. What is right is what it, what is it that you're doing? What is it for you? And that's the truth. I, I talk about this with bourbon all the time. I actually we have I think the final design for our new bourbon book. So you guys know I do a show called Eat, Drink, Smoke about cigars and bourbon. We're on 70 stations uh, across the country. And uh, we, we wrote a bourbon reader, the bourbon reader you've always needed. And so we've got the, I, I created the cover, Eat, Drink, Smoke Presents. And so we're, we're kind of finishing that up. And 
I'm hoping to have this out and and people can order their copies and get them uh, for for the holidays. It won't be out for Hanukkah, but we'll be out for Christmas. So you you can get your copies. And one of the things that we kind of get into um, is is the idea, especially in bourbon, is that you know there are no rules. You really want to mix your bourbon? I'm not going to tell you not to. It's it's okay. I mean, if you want to, it's like ice and water in your bourbon. People are like, oh no, you got to have it neat. The hell you do. Water adds a lot to bourbon. Really opens it up. You get an incredible, incredible amount of flavor when you add water to it. So when you're at the at the table this Thanksgiving, make sure that you're you're trying it in different ways. Start it neat, then add a little bit of water, just a little bit, like from the melted ice. Boom! Just pour that in. Bink! Just a little bit. Open it up, like like when you swirl wine and you want to aerate it, right? And open up the the, the you know get into the to the to the meat of it and the tannins and everything else right so you you do that with with the bourbon and then you can add just a nice chip and then or just a small rock or you can put it on a on a sphere or a large cube whatever absolutely i don't actually like a, a large cube it's not it's not how i work i it, a little bit of water maybe it maybe a chip that's it that's it it's just where i like to be but there are no rules there are no rules, just so, so we're clear. And I, I feel that way about brisket. And I know the brisket purists are going to come after me, and I'm like, yeah, I can handle myself on this. There are no rules at all. And in any way, I don't know, do you like to use a rub? Like, do you put a rub on your brisket there, producer Ari? Uh, a little one, yeah, just salt and pepper and a little brown sugar. Okay, I don't do any brown sugar at all. Uh, if, if you're doing, if you're going through Texas, it's just salt and pepper. That's it. That's correct. Nothing else. Uh, I admit that I do use garlic because I like it. So is, is that wrong? Of course it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, I know a lot of people go with with that whole sugar feel, right? They want that sweetness all the way around. I just, I just figured, I think that takes away from the meat. That's my, that's my take. That's why I don't go the brown sugar. So salt, pepper, and, and garlic in equal, in mostly equal measure. I would argue there's more pepper and garlic than there is salt. That doesn't mean it has to be. I'm just looking at the last time I did it, like the, just the one yesterday. Yeah, equal measure. Equal measure. And uh, what kind of salt, producer? Sorry. Kosher. Kosher salt. That is correct. That is correct. Can you use sea salt? Of course you can use sea salt. You're also going to hell. Well, is that too soon? Is that too much? Anyway, that's that. That's my brisket 101. Got the smoker, did the brisket, boom, perfect. Perfect. Me, my wife, the kids, standing around the, 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 the kitchen eating brisket last night. America's great. America's absolutely fantastic. Dr. Fauci, less than. And Fauci, talking to ABC... And about the idea of boosters and what makes uh, somebody fully vaccinated. And, and Connecticut and New Mexico's governors said they don't consider Americans fully vaccinated unless they have had a booster. You've said that's not on the table federally yet. But if the immunity drops so substantially without a booster, why shouldn't the White House adopt that standard uh, as soon as possible? Well, first of all, you want to go with the science, Martha. And right now, 
if you look at the data that we have fully vaccinated right now by definition is the original two doses with the mRNA and the Pfizer uh, and Moderna and a single dose with J&J. We'll continue to follow the data because right now when we're boosting people, what we're doing, following them, we're going to see what the durability of that protection is. And as we always do, you just follow and let the data guide your policy and let the data guide your recommendation. First things first, never allow the data to guide policy. Let the data tell you what the data tells you. But when you allow the data to guide policy, they'll say, well, this clearly means everybody should lock down. You can't, maybe I should say it this way. You don't utilize the data for going the other things like logic and reason. That's not true of people like Dr. Fauci. But when you hear that again, you'll notice that they think that the idea of fully vaccinated isn't changing yet. It's the idea of not changing yet. It is clear to me and to you and to rational people that there is a serious consideration here. And that consideration is that fully vaccinated will mean with a booster or boosters. This is the former head of the FDA, Scott Gottlieb, uh, speaking to Margaret Brennan on CBS Face the Nation. Uh, You've already seen governors in in Connecticut and New Mexico say three doses is fully vaccinated. Should the CDC say you need a booster to be considered fully vaccinated? I think at some point they're going to, but not this year. I think eventually um, this will be considered a three-dose vaccine, but I I would be hard-pressed to believe CDC is going to make that recommendation uh, anytime soon, in part because of this debate about whether or not younger people who are at less risk should be receiving that third dose. In states where governors are looking to do this, and I think some local communities will do it, some businesses are probably going to do it quite soon. I think in cases where entities are going to mandate three doses for people who are six months out from the second dose, they're doing that because they're using the vaccine as a way to control transmission and try to end this pandemic. Uh, And, you know, there are people in the public health community who don't think that that's an inappropriate way to use the vaccine. But this is a debate that's going on right now in the public health community. And CDC's sort of stuttering approach to how they've embraced boosters is reflective of that debate. Hold on a second. The Labor Department's Uh, OSHA division said it's We've now been able to show that the vaccine reduces spread because... No, we haven't. We haven't shown that the vaccine reduces spread of COVID at all. If you showed it to me, you'd have a lot more people who would be getting the vaccine. A lot more people. If you showed that the vaccine reduced spread, you'd have a much stronger, much better, much more proactive case. It's not even a question, but you haven't shown that. But he does bring up a good point about how some people be like that. These these groups of people don't need a, a a booster. They're fine as is. And I think that when you get to the idea of forcing a booster, when you start getting to this idea, this is where you're going to see people say, okay, we're done here. Oh, it means my job? Fine. I'd like to leave. Goodbye. 
Oh, it means I can't be here anymore? That's fine. I don't need to see you anymore. Goodbye. Oh, I, I, am, a, I am a real, real believer that if you start pushing vaccine mandates on people that include boosters, look, they, 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 they gave you one. They ain't giving you two. They gave on, on, on the vaccine all the people who are going to. They either did it on their own or they did it because they had to for their job. Boosters, nah, would rather fight you in the streets or just leave you behind. Bye-bye. So you have the governor of Connecticut, Ned Lamont. You have uh, the, uh, the, the governor of New Mexico. Is it Michelle Lujan? Forget her name. Saying that vaccines should include, uh, to be fully vaccinated, includes boosters. Bad news. Really bad news for the people who want to push that. LeBron James punched a guy in the face. Is this just, you know, the weirdest story? Because the response is nuts. But remember, it's LeBron. It's hard to be in his corner. That's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So LeBron James got into a fight. Actually, it was Isaiah Stewart. But it wasn't Isaiah's fault uh, because Isaiah Stewart got punched in the eye by LeBron James. Actually, he got backhanded punched by LeBron James. And it looked pretty flagrant to me. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Maybe I'm not the expert. It looked pretty flagrant to me. And then Isaiah Stewart, not wanting to take that, steps up on LeBron, and then they have to be separated. Really, Isaiah Stewart has to be separated, and LeBron, I assume, started crying. Now, there are two parts to this story. One is uh, that uh, if, if LeBron had gotten punched, he would have fallen to the ground, cried, and he would have demanded the league suspend people for a week. LeBron James is not what we call a man of character. But you really should watch the video of Isaiah Stewart. Because Isaiah Stewart took what was clearly a flagrant foul there uh, between the Pistons and the Lakers, and he turned it into a very dangerous situation. Because Isaiah Stewart could not control himself. He's got a couple of guys, coaches, and uh, players holding him back. And then he's like, all right, I'm calm, I'm calm. Then he runs away and tries to go after LeBron a different way and another player. And then they get a control of him, and he's calm, and he's calm, and he's calm. He does it again. And then they kind of get him back into the tunnel. He's calm, and he's calm. And all of a sudden, he runs away, like takes a step backwards, and runs to a different part of the tunnel to try and get back out on the court. That's a guy who will probably get a suspension and should get a suspension for days. When you are a pro, you got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Someone's got to be screaming in your face, your career is on the line. There will be no more money. There will be no more girls. What are you doing? Someone's got to be screaming that at him and get through to him. I am not defending LeBron James. Between this and uh, the failures of the NBA, the epic failures of the NBA regarding China, uh, Le- LeBron deserves all the derision that he gets. But you got to watch this video and you realize that Isaiah Stewart was doing nobody any favors, including himself, and he created an extremely dangerous situation. 
But the best part of the video is while these guys are trying to break him up, and remember, the coaches are nowhere near as tall as Isaiah Stewart from the from from the Pistons. There's this, I don't know if she's a trainer, I don't know if she's a coach, I don't know who she is. This woman who, if she's five feet, I'm impressed. And she's trying to hold Isaiah Stewart back. When she gets thrown to the ground, I want to be clear, and she didn't, when she gets thrown to the ground in the next one, it will be all her fault. Maybe we should note that there are differences between men and women. Maybe you should note who you are going into the thing, and you can't help none. I don't know what she was doing. Remember, if LeBron had gotten hit, people would have been suspended. It's time for the NBA to stop treating him with kid gloves. Just a player. I'm Tony Katz.